Guardians have tried so hard to develop a good farm system and get themselves to a division title and get back to the playoffs. And last year, they got so far. They got to the playoffs. And things have not gone well for them in 2023. And we're going to talk about some of the prospects today and some of the non-drafted free agents. Try to get them there because in the end, it might not even matter. You are Locked On Guardians. Your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I am Jeff Ellis. Over there is Justin. Uh, we have no title sponsors, so let's just dive in and have some fun. Uh, we're going to talk prospects. We're going to talk about uh, we've only had two draft signings, but we've also had two undrafted free agent signings. So we'll get into that, and we'll take some of your questions on today's Lockdown Guardians. Are we starting off with prospects? Talk, or are we starting off with Bieber? Let's talk about the new guys real quick. We'll talk about Bieber and the news on that and a couple. Let's get let's get past the the new guys in the system. Okay. So we already mentioned the two players they signed. Uh, one of them, uh, don't go looking for Jake Berry unless you put a minus Jacob sign on it because all you're going to get is Jacob Berry, who was, you know, the overdraft last year by the Marlins. That's right. I said it. The overdraft last year by the Marlins. Uh, Jake Berry is a big boy, uh, to put it... Not politely, a 6'10", 235 uh, pitcher. His dad was a basketball player. His grandfather is in six foot six. His grandfather is six foot nine. Uh, this is a guy who comes from a big family. His grandpa played basketball and baseball at Northwestern. Uh, Barry was a basketball player. And then he needed two knee surgeries in high school. And he decided to stick with baseball. So he has two knee surgeries. Didn't play at all his senior year of school. would not have paid uh, that final year of high school. Uh, he just turned 22. So he is, I believe that I think the 20, I think I'd have to double check, but I think he is, you know, he's senior aged. Let's just go ahead. Yeah. He was, he was a 2020 kid, uh, but he was an older player. He's one of those kids who even in the old system would have been, uh, you know, 19 on draft day. So he was technically draft eligible last year as well. Didn't get drafted. Uh, He's a big kid, didn't get any opportunities to start for the most part, had all of 10 starts, actually had nine uh, in 22 and only one this year. Uh, limited innings, but in spite of like having that knee issue in uh, high school, he's been healthy, um, missed bats. And the thing when you're 6'10 is, yes, mechanics are always a concern. But when you have that, ex he's an interesting gamble. Uh, I mean, 100%, a very interesting gamble for them. Uh, I was going to look up how much uh, I don't think I think in the past it's been 20,000 is the max you could offer an undrafted free age free agent in baseball. This isn't like football where you can sit there and offer them whatever they want. Uh, but he is maybe the higher ceiling of these two guys. The other player who's, I don't know, if a, quote unquote, the safer one is uh, Rorick Maltrude. He has bounced around. He's going to be 23 in September. He was supposed to go to Oklahoma back in 2019. That's right. He started college back in 2019. He was a 2018 draft class. So we're talking, you know, the full five years that he got in his time there. Didn't go to Oklahoma. Uh, actually, was he, he might have actually, 
gone to Oklahoma and then transferred out, but was a University of Oklahoma player at first. Then went to Grace Community College for two years. Then went to New Mexico State, which is like maybe the worst environment to pitch in and was successful there. And then this year was able to end up in the SEC uh, at Missouri uh, at the the six-week point of the college baseball season. The NCAA website listed their top 10 college relievers, you know, guys like Nolan McLean at six, Camden, Camden Minucci at four, who we've, you know, saw take and get drafted, Nick Maldonado at two, uh, Rorick Maltrude was eight, number one, Andrew Walter. So Guardians got two of the guys from this list. Uh, he's probably, like, both these guys were primarily relievers, and you can try them out as starters, um, but this is a situation where, since they are both relievers, they also didn't throw a ton, ton of innings. This could also help with the backfill. So when we talk about the problems with backfill and needing some arms, uh, even if they're low-inning starters, uh, they're two interesting players. One, we've talked about guys who bounce around a lot and don't have a lot of continuity, sometimes have more growth. And a guy who's six foot ten, who was not necessarily baseball focused until he get to college and then didn't get as many opportunities, has some growth. Now, the fact they went undrafted also speaks to you know how most teams view them in terms of the overall picture. And I like I said, I believe it's I'll double check when when Justin's talking about prospects. I believe it's only 20k is the max you can get to sign. If you're a pitcher, why not go to Cleveland and see if they can unlock more, right? Like there's a logic to that for sure. But I think they're two really solid, really good additions. Uh, we still only know Tugboat and Bresnahan. So Cleveland is currently 225 over the cap, and I think they can go 480 over the cap. So we'll have to see. This is par for the course. Listen, it, it always comes out slowly with them. Everything. There are no loose lips in Cleveland. I know a lot of people are like, oh, they got their pocket picked with the cold Emerson pick. I, I don't know if we know that because nothing ever sneaks out. Did anyone have them connected to Ralphie Valesquez in this entire draft process? Not a soul. No. Did you ever hear Alex Clemmy? No. Uh, I mean, Andrew Walters, I think both myself and Willie said kind of fits their mold to some degree. Uh, didn't necessarily expect him in the comp round. But yeah, that, that, let's remember, loose lips sink ships and uh, Cleveland's lips are never loose. That is that is very true. Remember that come train deadline, too. And when the things kind of pick up, what are we, July 20th? So we've got... Uh, 10 days, about 11 days till the trade deadline. So when that happens, just, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah, you know, the Guardians are just trying to get those guys uh, one step closer uh, to the majors and uh, find somewhere they belong in the system. Speaking of relievers, uh, I'm going to quickly move on here. I, I got a couple I want to get to, but um, in the minor league system, you know, we talk about guys that bounce around a lot. Uh, Franco Alamon was a guy who I believe went to, what, three colleges? I think he landed at Florida his junior year. Was his, was only year. The, his only year at Florida. Yeah, that was the year the Guardians took three Florida pitchers because they uh, obviously Florida is really good at developing arms. They I got new argument on draft night about that. <laughs> I, I'm not going to say it with you. I'm not going to call anyone out. But yeah, I got to obviously like, really they, love. They really like the, what Florida does. And I'm like, actually, it's the opposite. Uh, for those who are curious, Florida International University. St. John's Re- River State yeah, College. St. John's River, yeah. And then yeah. my and then Miami. And, and that St. John's, by the way, is is also in Florida. So three separate Florida schools for him. Yeah. So he was he bounced around quite a bit, had a big arm and and didn't really have a consistent role at Florida. And this is very similar to what the Guardians have tried to do with some arms in this draft as well. And and last year, 
So last year, I mean, I saw Alamon quite a bit at, at Lake County, and I was like, yeah, he's fine. Like, he throws decently hard. Like, he was 95, 96, and it's a long arm action. He was getting hit kind of hard. I thought teams really pick up the ball out of his hand well because he has such a long arm motion, and I worry about how he's going to hold runners on. And I didn't know he had a second pitch. And I, know, I don't know if he has a second pitch still, truthfully, but uh, I will at least take into consideration. Guardians don't need two pitches. Andrew Walters. Yeah, not. If you come from the state of Florida, yeah, yeah, you don't need two pitches. You just need a good fastball. And Franco Alamon has a good fastball. He so hit last night. This is what I'm talking about him on on, thir- on Wednesday night. He pitched uh, for Akron. He was you no know, 97 to about 99. I think he might have come close to hitting 100, depending on the, the reliability of not the him in college. Like he was kind of more of a sinker, pitch to contact guy. He didn't was not known for that big velocity, at least from the data I had at the time. Yeah, now he's missing bats. That fastball's got you know some ride and ride in it on it. It's it it's getting inside on right handers. It's up there. Guys are having a hard time with it. He's throwing it for strikes. Um, he had a slider that had some some vertical to it. I think uh, had a little bit of backup to it. I don't know that it's a, an average pitch, maybe a, a fringe average pitch. But he threw it for strikes, so that's what's important too for that. If he has that, if he can throw that slider for strikes and then and has that fastball that can miss bats, you you have something there. And he's got uh, an absurd forty six percent strike route right now, double A. And now, granted, this is seven to third inning, so this is not a, a strong sample by any means. And the swing strike rate is twelve point four percent, so that doesn't quite match up. And if you're wondering, I don't really love swing strike percentage, honestly, because it it kind of it takes out a lot. It's a lot of things. I'd rather see whiff rate, but Fangraphs has this. And generally what you can do is you can look at the swing strike rate and you can about double it for the guy's strikeout rate. And this is applicable, applicable to hitters and pitchers. It's not a exact science, but it gives you kind of a, a range of outcomes here. So he's at 12.4%. That suggests he should be at like, you know, in the 24 to 28 range ish for strikeouts. He's at 46. So I don't know how much that's going to hold up. It, it, it could just suggest that guys are having a hard time seeing the ball or squaring it up, or they're taking a lot of pitches. He's only got a 7.7% walk rate. So he's throwing a lot of, he's throwing a decent amount of strikes, which is good because this is not a guy who came into the system with a whole lot of control either. Um, you know, could be a good relief prospect. He might be, it's it's not a long list of guys right now, obviously, like obviously with uh, Missy Ozick and, and Mika Logic having Tommy John, it stinks. Nick Enright is still, you know, battling through getting back from, beating cancer and he just got back off the uh, inactive list and then you got Cade Smith so it might be Cade Smith and it might be Franco Alamon right now I just want to point Andrew out Walters that, yeah and Andrew Walters is probably going to be number one just one thing to point out to show that difference at Florida his strikeouts per nine again Florida where half the guys he faced didn't even go on to play affiliate ball 8.41 since then 12.13 13.35 just a different animal now this is what the Guardians are trying to do, right? They're trying to find arms that bounce around that have, you know, some areas yeah. of improvement like it's Florida. Arms. It's Morehouse. It's I'm trying to think of else in this class, but there are multiple guys where you look at who is the guy I really liked back in the day. And I'm, I'm blanking on who bounced through four schools in four years. Well, that oh, wow. one's gone. But yeah, no, this is what they do. They definitely go out of their way to get these guys who have not had consistency. All right. Well, don't give up. We've got more to talk about i want to talk about a few more prospects jeff's got one prospect he wants to talk about we're going to talk about the latest on shane bieber and we're going to get to your questions in just a few moments
or championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. The eBay guaranteed fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home one win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Friday night, Guardians are back at home. We've got Gavin Williams and I believe Ranger Suarez for the Phillies. If you can't make it or can't watch it, listen on the Sirius XM app. Just search Guardians on the app. Should be a fun one. We didn't really talk about the Phillies that much. Okay, so we talked about Franco Alamon. Uh, I'm not going to spend too much time on some other guys because, look, it hasn't been the greatest year in the system. They have had... (laughs) They've had kind of a lost year for a lot of guys, but uh, Jose Perella, we don't get we don't get really deep into complex league guys because a there's just like Instagram video out there on them and stats, so it's hard to, to and the stats really measure these things. The stats to, to are, some are completely worthless. I find Jose Perella to be interesting. He is 17 years old in the Dominican right now. He will not turn 18 until next April, so he is playing his first entire year in the pro in, in the pros at 17. That's a good thing. Not to be confused Proud. with former San Diego and current KBO, Jose Perella. <laughs> yeah, Stephen Jose Perella. But he might be bigger than that other Jose Perella. Jose Perella is listed at 6'3", 181. This is a, a 17-year-old who is a pretty big kid. He's he's playing some center field in the DSL right now. I don't know if he'll continue to play there because he might outgrow the position a little bit. For what stats are worth, he does have a, uh, a 590 slugging percentage and a 253 ISO. I will say you don't often see a ton of power in the in the in those leagues because guys just aren't finding the barrel a ton and there's a lot of walks and a lot of bad pitching. So the power is interesting. That's good. There's some swinging miss. He's walking quite a bit, but I just think it's interesting how big he is, how young he is, that he is showing some power at the at a level that's not typically common. So uh, in a couple of years, he could be a guy who's at, at you know Lynchburg or High A, and he looks like Junior San Quentin who. Right now is just a completely lost prospect, and there's very, very faint hope for him to to do anything at best at this point. So you never know with these guys because Junior San Quentin came in as a a highly hyped guy who just really outgrew his position and just swings and misses like crazy now. So take these things with a grain of salt, but at least you know the physicality is at least interesting, right? Yes, no, I agree, <laughs> and. You know, we, we were kind of going through and doing a deep dive on, on statistical profiles for a few guys, and it's rough. Uh, it's rough. And Junior San Quentin was like every negative profile that mm-hmm. we, he popped yeah. up. So, yeah, you, you always got to wait and see. I mean, I, I've always been the person on record is I don't typically rank guys who are in complex leagues. I know I did last year with Churio, but I had a little more view because special just, case, you know, there, there's so little out there on them. And it's just everyone jumping on a hype train of a player they've never even seen. So, but I because mean, he has a famous brother, right? Which that that influenced a ton of it, unfortunately. Which is unfair to Jason too, because Jason may become a good prospect in his own right, but everybody is going to compare him to Jackson, who is 19 years old in Double A, and Jason's 17 and 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 complex ball. And the Guardians are not going to promote him that fast because they never do that. So Juan Brito, real quick, I'll mention too, continues to be good at Akron. We were having a conversation about Juan Brito. Where does he end up ranking in the system? And I'm trying to think. He you know, if you're if you're talking about all the pitchers graduating, you know, Bybee, William Al, uh, Williams, Allen, Bo Naylor graduating, so you still have what? Espino, Rocchio, Cantillo, 
Valera. Valera. And I would say Brito is in that group right now. No, you're, he's, you're banking he's probably on top three. I, I would have him higher than Valera at this point, honestly. Yeah, you're still you're still banking on the high ceiling that that Valera and Espino offer. That's why they're still mentioning that conversation. Rocchio is still a solid prospect, although we can talk about how his power has completely gone away this year at, at AAA, which is very bizarre for the park he's playing in and kind of the lowest power output he's had of his career. By the way, Brian Rocchio serving uh, game two of his three game suspension. He'll serve game three Friday. He was involved in the, the George Valera brawl last week against Nashville or two weeks ago. So he is yeah, serving he's not getting suspension. promoted. Don't, I know people yeah. are mad at you for just reporting the truth. Uh, Everybody, when, when, when minor league lineups come out, we need to get into this. I mean, it's, I, I want people to be excited about these prospects because that, that's part of what we do. We like to analyze prospects and we want people to get excited about them, but every lineup that comes out, we don't have to overanalyze that this guy's not in the lineup. I think it's a thing. Like sometimes it's just a day off or sometimes a guy is suspended uh, like Brian Rookie or George Valera. George Valera did Homer in his second game back on Thursday night, first Homer of the year for him. So that's good news. But yeah, Brito, I think you're right. He is uh, a top five prospect in the system right now. Is that a good thing with where the system is? Probably not, but it's still, you know, he's still doing the, doing well. He gets the ball in the air. He pulls it. Is that going to be he pulls the ball well? Like the rare win as well as Nolan Jones is playing, like, or is it going to be a net loss because this team is so desperate for power and Nolan Jones, Nolan Jones looks like the guy who one point in time zips did have as a top 10 prospect in baseball. That's going to be, that's going to be a real paper cut for them. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, Brito, I think Brito is going to be a good player for sure. Um, Jones is, is kind of thriving in that ballpark and he's going to be a good player and he's exactly what they need. It could be a win-win. But I think everyone's going to continue to look at Nolan Jones and think about what if, even if he's a platoon guy. I don't really know how Brito profiles as a switch hitter either. I think he's got some issues from the right side. But from the left side, man, he pulls the heck out of the ball. He gets it in the air, maximizes his power output, even if there's not a lot there. He's the first baseman of the future. He's the same size as as Naylor in height. There's your future first baseman. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, Jose Tana has a 11.9% walk rate. His... Uh, OBP is 342. He is not a guy who has walked that much in the past. Uh, striking out a ton right now and has a low batting average. Not really much power, but I will say the uh, maybe if he is walking a little more, that is a sign in the right direction for him because that's a guy who needs it. I still think he is on the fringes of this 40-man roster right now, but you know we'll take positive signs where we can get them. You wanted to mention, speaking of the 40-man roster, a guy who might get back on the 40-man roster. Brian Lavastia is playing very well. You might have missed it because... He was not playing well for a long time there, and he got taken off the 40-man. He's back up to AAA. He is, if you're looking at qualified hitters, I believe he's 17th in the system in weighted runs created plus. He had a fantastic night tonight. Would you say like three for six with a really high exit velocity double? He's been playing better and better of late. Go around baseball. Cleveland has three catchers. Cincinnati has three catchers. Pittsburgh has three catchers. The new, uh, the Giants have three catchers. Three catchers are the Vogue thing. Everyone's got three. Lavastida is athletic. If more athletic than David Fry, and that's not to like crap on Fry, like Lavastida was, I believe, a second baseman his first few years of college. There's going to be a team. Third baseman. Third base. I believe there was a little bit of time at second, too but I could be wrong in, in my memory, but he's a really athletic kid. And if you're a team, he might be easy to sneak through in a, you know, rule five draft as a third catcher with some, I, he was a top uniform, top 10 prospect last year. And if we learned one lesson from Bo Naylor, it's don't let one year uh, shake you off a guy. So mm-hmm. in a year where there's only like three guys that we're maybe talking about adding to the 40 man, 
it makes sense to to discuss that. And if you have not gone back and looked at Brian Lavastida, he's he is performing. He's his he's nearly has as many walks to strikeouts. That's very close. His bat pip, I believe, when I last looked, was over three hundred, which is another positive sign of contact. You know, his is and he always got pretty good reviews for his defensive ability behind the plate too. It was not like a finished project, but he was. He, he and Bo Naylor were kind of similar in their development. So I, I think Lavastida is a guy where I'm just going to go back to what I say all the time. You can get annoyed with me at this, but it's like development is not linear. Both in catching is incredibly hard. Like Rafi Valesquez, I love him to death. He's probably going to be a top 10 prospect for me. I really believe in that bat. He was, tw- I was the, I am tw- I was the high man, right? I am 21st on my big board. No one else had him in their top 30. I don't know if he's going to stick a catcher. Cause I think the bat will make him move off that position. It's like, People forget Bryce Harper was a catcher. The only reason he didn't mm-hmm. stay at catcher is because at 19, he could play in the outfield. The bat was there. So catching is incredibly difficult. Be patient with Bo and don't forget about Brian. Agreed. So, and, and we like Brian. He's a good kid. All right. We got to talk about Shane Bieber. We got to talk about Tristan McKenzie, some injuries, and we got to get to your questions here. So stay tuned. Friday night, Guardians, Phillies in action. We don't see the Phillies too often. This will be, this will be a fun one. Uh, hopefully it's a fun series for the Guardian. Make sure you are listening to all the action on your SiriusXM app. Just search Guardians on your app to get the broadcast. They're coming Ooh. from Milwaukee. I was just watching them. Yeah. yeah not, not... A, a buddy of mine sent uh, sent me a text about their flight trip or whatever and how they were hovering over Cleveland because there was a lot of thunderstorms on Thursday night and they couldn't they couldn't land. And I was like, I've been there when I was coming home from Jamaica. We had a, a was it the worst flight of your life? Oh, I, I said, I don't want to fly ever again. Unfortunately, the next day I had three flights to get back to Cleveland. But uh, yeah, landing in a thunderstorm, I do not recommend. I uh, I should have had a value or something, not that I condone any sort of drugs. No, hey, you know what? I, <laughs> I, I, I'm a nervous flyer. I still have Lorzepam in here. Hopefully. From, that's what my doctor gave me to fly. Like, you know what? If things make you nervous, there's nothing wrong as long as you're not abusing it to uh, to do some things yeah. to help anxiety. If only I, uh, was our sponsor today. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah better health oh, yeah go, go ahead. ahead you go first then i'll throw my idea i was gonna say maybe maybe their flight will uh, uh they have a day to hold night before maybe the flight will mess them up and the guardians will have a good series so my quick idea here on the fly we want to talk bieber i don't know how much time we're gonna have for questions should we do one of the infamous long shows where we cut it off at about 30 minutes and then we'll if you want to go jump on and hear the rest of the show on youtube we'll have a kind of a longer edition to get through the questions Let's do it. We'll get through all the questions if you go to YouTube, and we'll tell you what timestamp to do it as well. Yeah, so we'll we'll get that all lined up for you. So I uh, just want to throw that out there now. If you're like, hey, this is already kind of there, and they promised all this other stuff. Sometimes if we're going to deliver, we have to find ways to balance it out. We had some fun talking about prospects because that's where you and I both started. It is something that we always have. Like, we literally spent probably about three, four hours this week discussing prospects as we were working on episodes after the fact. So, uh, yeah, let's talk. Let's talk arm injuries. Let's let's wait on arm injuries because, you know, that's worked so well for Andrew Painter and it worked so well for Shane Bieber uh, since his last arm injury. So let's just keep waiting. Let's wait forever on these arm injuries. Maybe they'll naturally heal. Yeah. Elbows are just castles of glass man it's not good yeah beaver the comment that was made to zach had this in his uh his article today too saying that uh it's going to be a while on beaver that uh there's really no no teams out there that are trying to trade for shane beaver right now with his injury but it's going to be you know he got good news doesn't need surgery you know cross your fingers that is true but it's not going to be a quick return so we're talking beaver 
you know, maybe a month from now, maybe early September. And obviously they're going to want him to come back and p- prove that he's healthy. <laughs> I don't know what you do with him in the off season. I really don't know. If I, he, they're he, on their way to a qualifying offer. That's my firm belief right now. Well, I mean, he's got one more year of control. You're saying, yeah. oh, you mean pitch, he's going to pitch out his contract and you just go to a qualifying offer? Yeah. Yeah, they almost never do that, but I think you're right. Uh, I mean, Michael I, Brantley, they didn't, they didn't give Michael Brantley the qualifying offer, but that was the last time that they really allowed. Yeah. I mean, it's Carlos Santana there. was the last qualifying off, offer, right? And it's been mm-hmm. a while, but it's just it's such a weird situation that this feels like the chance where it could happen. What's the 2025 draft class look like, Jeff? <laughs> uh, I'm not there yet. 2024 looks so flipping good. Um, no, a little too late for that. And unless you can trade for like a comp pick next I year, mean, what you can do. Yeah, I, here's no the thing. Like, I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious. Now I'm going to go to Tankathon and see where this team is ranked. Uh, but uh, <laughs> no, I want them to do good, even though it is a good year. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to worry about draft picks, but I am kind of curious at the overall order. You know, because there was a, right now Cleveland would have the 12th pick in the draft, which I believe that's when Chase they drafted the Will Benson, picked. right? And Chase Delauder. No, Delauder was like 14. They'd never had that pick before. Mm. They had had that was the first time they'd ever had that pick that they used for Chase. Delotter. Okay, they'd never picked that high. So Benson was uh, 12. I believe Benson was 12, 16 for Delauder. God, is it okay. sad that I kind of thought it was 16? I can't remember like my best friend's birthday, but I can be like, yeah, Will Benson was the 12th pick. Let's see, 14th. I was wrong. Okay, uh, but I can remember that uh, the Lauder was 16, but still, um, they have yeah. not picked top 12. I think that means since Clint Frazier. Is the the last time they picked? Well, yeah, because top twelve picks, two thousand twelve, they came very close to hundred losses thanks to the yeah. infamous uh, five and what was it twenty twenty one month or something. So that's it's pretty bad. Yeah, it's so look I, at this. Yeah, San Diego and Chicago are the two teams, and then the Mets, as we all expected, are the three teams um, right above them. In aren't the, the Mets going to have to go back ten picks because of their payroll unless they should payroll? Oh, you're right. No, you get 100%. knocked down 10 picks. So for, Cleveland for is currently 12, but it'd be the 11th pick. But then, you know, it'd be hilarious. And I, you know what I would root for is for the anyone can win the draft lottery. Anyone who didn't mm-hmm. make the postseason. So I would root for the Mets to fall back and then win. That would be hilarious if they fell back to 19 and then won the lottery. Oh, that'd be horrible one. for everybody. That'd be hilarious. It'd be that'd absolutely be hilarious. Everybody. The, the news on Tristan McKenzie, you said you didn't love the quote there and, and the quote about Tristan McKenzie too was need to be able to test the elbow at full intensity before the end of the season. They really need him to be able to test that. It's a litmus test to be able to get back to pitching in full intensity, pitching in a competitive setting. And how does the elbow respond? Both those cases to me sound like September at best. And here's the, here's the problem with McKenzie is that let's say he goes out and he tests the elbow and it comes back. It doesn't, it's not good. You're talking about August or September to Tommy John, which means 2024 is also gone for him too. So you've wasted an entire season on trying to get him healthy, at least half a season because the injury in spring training was not, you wasted at least half the season after he came back on this elbow thing, only only to find out he needs Tommy John. And then you don't have that guy for next year and you're pitching with Shane Beaver on a one-year contract. And you've then lost two, maybe more importantly, you only have six years of control and then you're losing two of those six years of control because even if they're hurt, they're still getting the service time. Right. And at that point you also even, you also dive into the, like, do we try to offer him a contract for a little security for him and try to get back a little for us, like for Cleveland. 
And he's not going to be sharp coming back. People forget it takes a whole like year after Tommy John to to get your command and control back. And this is for a guy who's kind of struggled with commanding his pitches when he's been in the big leagues. Like that was his bugaboo two years ago. And this is why you try to avoid the surgery for, for, for reference. I mean, yeah, I, I understand like that. That's why you want to avoid the surgery, but when you, when this kind of thing happens and it's like, okay, then we need it. Then you lose so much time. So it, it is a two sides of a, a very dangerous coin. Unfortunately. Yeah. And we, at the same time, Shane Bieber's never been the same guy since his arm injury and rest. He hasn't. Yeah. He has never been the same guy since his arm injury and rest. Well, we're at the 30 minute mark here. I don't know. I want to get into uh, two, trade stuff too. Two quick notes we before we get into the, the mailbag, which will be on YouTube only. One, for undrafted free agents, you can offer them the full 150000 So you can sit there and keep signing anyone uh, to the same amount as a day three pick. And if you have any pool money left over, you can sign them for more. So let's say you ended up having 50000 left from your pool. You could sign someone for 200000 That's actually back in the day how the Reds got TJ Friedel. For those who are curious, oh, they had yeah. extra pool money and he was a he went out and performed well in Cape. Cape Cod. And he was an undrafted free agent who was a draft eligible sophomore. And someone tried to claim like, oh, nobody knew. Everyone knew he was. It just he didn't have a stellar stellar year. So they went and got him. And there's also a new draft and follow rules. So, you know, like people talk about the Dodgers with DJ Ungalele. They can draft and follow him. If he doesn't play baseball, if he just if he has a terrible year as a quarterback this year, which I believe he gets to start this year at Oregon, Oregon State, wherever he is, and mm-hmm. decides, okay, this isn't going to happen. If they can get him to pivot, then I believe it's draft and follow. But, that's what they're doing. But I believe you have to play JUCO ball for that. He is he's oh. not playing baseball at all. I, I thought that was a JUCO rule only. I could be wrong, but I thought he had to play JUCO ball. But if he's not, if I think this is like if he has a terrible football year, then I think they can still maybe get him because he hasn't played baseball yet. But I think you're right about yeah, I, the other I don't know. component. I don't know if if if, if that yeah. applies to guys who aren't playing baseball at all. It's it's fuzzy because obviously it's, that rule wasn't designed with that in mind. Yeah. And then uh leave it to I the just, Dodgers to try to skirt a rule, let's be honest. Of course. And I just did uh tankathon until I got Cleveland the number two pick in the draft. So the top five is Chicago, Cleveland, St. Louis, Washington Cubs. So there's there's your Nick Kurtz uh, for you. Nick Kurtz, just give Bring you that. On. Let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, maybe not my guy, but you know, for Justin's sake, I can get on board. I didn't get any. I didn't get any of my guys this year except for Tommy Hawk, and Tommy Hawk might be a backup, but you know, whatever. You know, I like Mooney. Mooney is probably my guy. Uh, well, after Valisquez, like again, I was. Yeah. I, I loved that pick. Take a break. Well, take a break. We're gonna do the whole thing here, but we want to thank you all who are sticking with us. I'm going to be traveling. I'll be here for Monday's show. Uh, and then I might be in and out. Well, just now I'll be texting, figuring out how we can, you know, maybe make it work if anything big happens where I can, you know, do something with, with decent quality. But uh, we want to thank you all for being part of the Lockdown Guardians team. Rate and review. Download daily. Remember, that really helps. Download every day. Uh, set it playing in the background on YouTube. And then set it playing again in the background on YouTube. Really help it out if you can. But uh, thank you to all of you out there. I'm slowly working through comments. Justin Nelson, that's an everyday puck. I am not going to read your name because I know what it really means, but I will call you puck is another everydayer in here who, uh, I, I, whose name I see getting around some things. But uh, thank you all and go, go Guardians, go.